1: Yes, there's the Baltus Library. Actually, it's not tall enough. It has to have one of those. It does have a rolling ladder. What do I say? It does have a ladder, yeah. Exactly. So, yeah. (laughs) That really was a fantasy of mine early on, by the way, to have the big library with all those bookshelves and, and the rolling ladder. And especially you have to have... The globe, the freestanding globe that's big like in Pink Panther movies, big where you can right. like, spin it and get your hand caught in it. <laughs> and and it could also be that it flips open and that's where you keep your brandy and your snifters too. I've seen that yes. in movies, you so, know. So
0: <laughs> So I always thought with the Kindle or any of the ebook stuff that they should Create the interface so it looks like a giant library. So you like can move around the library and you touch it and the book comes out or something like that. You know,
1: there's actually one called Delicious Library that that's its default format for showing your collections. is not a listing in a spreadsheet. It's showing you your books on a shelf and that's your video. Cool. It does multiple things, so you can see your video games and CDs and, and it actually does have you know of course different icons so that they look like the right size and comparison right. between. So I, I don't know. It just seemed. That, that, um, it can't be the most efficient way to do it if you're really looking right. for something quickly. But when I go to the bookstore, that's how I do it is I kind of browse through and you let your eyes unfocus and go to what have I not seen before. And they've right. got all their suggestive selling of the ones that are faced outwards to you are the ones that paid the $10,000 fee to get, right. you know, a uh, uh, shelf placement and stuff like that. that- so,
0: That's funny you say that because I know I've done that, you know, Gina and I are a used bookstore or a big bookstore or whatever. And I'm just standing there going zoom, zoom, zoom back and forth. She's like, how can you tell what you're seeing? I'm like, well, I kind of know the fonts and I guess the way the books look, you know, there's certain author names or whatever that I'm looking for. And it just ping my eye catches it every now and then I'll miss something. But quite often I.
1: Exactly. Especially if you, I mean, I've done that for decades. And like you just said, most used bookstores, they don't do any of the facing of covers. It really is this. And so if anything, your mind is working again in the background where, okay, where am I? I'm in the F's. So who am I thinking that I like reading that's in the Fraser or whatever? You know what I mean? And then it's, you, you let your, I don't know, there's like a sifting routine that your mind goes through that makes interesting things stand out or things that we're familiar with stand out. And I don't know, I Whatever, t- whatever things I miss by scanning quickly, I'm also like, well,
0: geez, I can't be here for five hours reading, right. <laughs>
1: really reading the spine of every single book here. Right. You know, so
0: we've got a bookstore we like over in PA uh, called Cupboard Maker Books, and it's also a cat shelter rescue. So as you're browsing the books, you have cats all over the place. Yeah. Um, It is so big and so many books. The last time we went, we were there like two hours, and we're going, yeah, we didn't have enough time.
1: Exactly. I've been – you know, when I've been to – what's the famous one in Portland? Um, Powell's, I guess, right? Same thing. I I walked through the entire thing, and I – it's kind of funny since we're going to be talking about being readers today. It isn't that I just go to, I'm a mystery guy. So I go to the mystery section. I'm like, so where's science fiction and fantasy? Where's mystery? Where's puzzles? Where's humor? I have, and and just general fiction sometimes it's like, well, I know that some of my favorite authors, they just, they're not really genre. So I have to go look specifically for, and, and like Stephen King, sometimes regular, sometimes horror, whatever else it might be. It's, I love big places like that because there's such a chance to explore. And especially when they really have years of books, you know, any store nowadays is based on turnover. And so even when you go to a Barnes and Noble or a Borders, Borders is defunct. Sorry. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, and, and have more books to look at than you usually do. It's still, man, uh, everything is three years old, maybe. And they might have certain authors that they have kind of complete sets, but it's very different than going to a used bookstore where, I've been a book. Have you ever had this? I used to go into a bookstore and I find books that I love and I'm like, well, I already have this, but I want to buy this to give it to somebody. So I can say, you got to read this. It's great. Yeah. Well, you it's know? only a buck 25. Oh my yeah. gosh, this is worth it. Exactly. It's a perfect, you know,
0: I don't have this cover.
1: And, and boy, I, when I, so the first time that I was ever in Toronto, because I'm a geek, I went there for Toronto Macworld and I had never, you know, it was great because I was able to drive up there, park my car. I stayed in the bed and breakfast and then take public trans everywhere because it took me right to the convention center and I learned enough about it to be able to go everywhere. Well, um, my difficulty was I'm in bookstores that I'd never been in before and there's enough British um, infiltration in Canada that I was seeing series like, you know, Modesty Blades or something like that, where they're really hard to find here in the States. But they had two dozen. and. <laughs> twice, twice, I walked home with like the plastic bags where the plastic handles are digging into your fingers, cutting off circulation. Cause I kept flying, you know, here's, and in some cases I'm kind of a purist. If I already had some of the series in one format, I didn't want to get the next ones in the British format because the cover style didn't match or whatever. But I was like, well, now I know that these are already out and how come they haven't been issued in the States yet. But I remember calling my parents, this is no lie, uh, there's a place called Coles that was a city block of a bookstore. It was half a block, but two stories tall. So it just had, honestly, probably more books than I'd ever seen in one place. And I'm standing there, and like, some places have a travel section or a humor section, and they had aisles of all this stuff. So I'm in the humor aisle, and I call my parents and say, thank you so much for making me a reader, because I'm just in the middle of Treasureville here. You know what I mean? And and even though I knew I shouldn't be buying as more than I can carry, when am I going to be back in Toronto? When am I going to right. be back at this particular bookstore? Oh man, did I overdo it?
0: <laughs> <laughs> so let's delve into that a little bit. I mean, we could use this for both podcasts. You know, it's of interest True. to everybody. So uh, you've read your whole life. Uh, I'm I know that. Um, what you, What's your earliest memories of reading? And what you said, your parents. You thank them. What got you into reading? Why is it so interesting to you?
1: Well. It definitely was, you know, my parents were good about reading to us when we were young. We had the Gold Key books and the, you know, whatever, I don't remember that much, having Dr. Seuss for instance, you know, which which is um, such a, an early a primer for many, but my parents seemed to be um I don't know, maybe more European in their taste and so we read Hans Christian Andersen, we read the Brothers Grimm and and all kinds of other picture and story books and I guess I was able to not only hear them read to me, but start to get it when I was quite young, which to the parents was interesting and amazing. But it was also then that when you're not only following along, but you're anticipating because you've heard the story so many times, apparently my favorite book when I was young was Darby O'Gill and the Little People.
0: Really, (laughs) And
1: that's one of those things where whenever my mom would say, go get a book to read, I must have come back with that 90% of the time because it had... Cool elves, and it had a big mountain of treasure, and it had you know a, a mystery of going through the caves and whatever else it might be. Somehow that was just incredibly attractive to me. But then after a while, I was like turning the pages for her because I knew the story, and and I guess because I was able to read on my own relatively early. I was reading before I was in school. You know what I mean? My, my parents and I don't know. I I was already odd in that way. If I had a pretty big vocabulary and I had I I could read on my own early. Um, probably one of those things where I couldn't hold some of the books I was reading. You can't read the Encyclopedia Britannica when you can't hold the book. You know what I mean? So you had to put it out on the table.
0: And that's one of the best books, man. When I was little looking at that, it's like every page has something new.
1: Honestly, you know, that really was the first rabbit hole experience where I'd be working on a report, probably, I don't know, third grade or something like that and i'd go to look up about uh uh, john paul jones and then of course while you're there you read other things that about him and that war and then you're on the j page and so it's like well what about john and and it was just i remember kind of coming to and going well that was fun but i I, i'm not my report isn't done yet right
0: right yeah i remember
1: sorry go go ahead no i i went to school of course and you know the teachers there would also um the class would read together, but sometimes they'd take individuals over and have them read to you. I think the one maybe was part of the accelerated class or something like that, and they would write down words that you didn't know, and you'd take them home so your parents could help you with them and practice them and stuff like that. This is no lie. I had the word poo written not because I didn't know it, but because I couldn't say it to the teacher. <laughs> I just was so, you know, polite and you know, silly child innocence. I I couldn't I couldn't let on that I knew what that word was. No lie. P-O-O-H, by the way, That's not the easy funny. P-O-O, you know, the P-O-O-H, which well, there's, remember, I, I, do you have memories like this? I remember all kinds of times when I was, why is the world spelled like that? You know, the, the word should be like the the early rebellion of, I'm getting the phonetics, and then you start running into, okay, P-H, yeah. I get that. And then you just get like, what in the world is going on here? And you you get I guess curiosity as to linguistics, and you start to get aware of what has. And, and back then, I wasn't. I didn't know Latin versus Germanic or other roots, but you just knew that there were different streams that had kind of flowed together into the United States, and that you know we're a great Swiss Army knife of a language. You know what I mean? We have all. I, of I don't our- know
0: about great, but <laughs> definitely Swiss Army knife.
1: And in fact. <clears throat> That's one of my favorite things is because I'm, I'm not sure what the literary term is for that, but that that thing it has such great connotation as to, you can see it, it's got 17 different functions all into one thing, and that's what it has wonderful implication by the saying of it. And and I just, I don't know, early on, I, Colleen also talks about when she knows that she, like her son made his first pun was along the lines of, you know, they're standing in front of an elevator and he goes, I'd rather take the Darth Vader. And same thing, Colleen's wonderfully bright and her son was wonderfully bright. So he was like two saying that (laughs) not only know enough language, but to start to be able to play with it. Apparently, I was like that, too, that I just was a a punning fool when I was young. I, I was always making fun with words and in some cases, you know, had to get corrected because I was using something wrongly or there's, there's a phenomenon. Readers always talk about this. How many times have you read a word but never heard it said? And then the first time you say it, you get it wrong, and people give you the look. So right. I, know I said communique before I said communique. And there's like, that's what they were saying on Man from Uncle. It was communique, right. but it's not unique. Or you know what I mean? All the QE. Like, there's a. am <laughs> all over the place because reading is fundamental. <laughs> there's a great book called something like Words and Nouns. It's as basic as that, but it's by a guy named Steven Pinker who does how the brain works. And what he goes into is how, when you see how people, we really have a language instinct. It's very in us as social animals to learn language and to see um, kids struggle with how many rules there are and how many exceptions to rules there are is to understand how cool language is. So when you have, you know, bring, brang, brung, and think, thank, thunk, no, you didn't think it, you thought it, that that you get all the ways in which, like you were saying about certain verbs, intransitive verbs, etc., you really have to memorize them as much as learn the patterns because the right. patterns will fail you right when it really matters. You know what I mean? And it's a, it's a fascinating book because it really goes, it's loaded with those examples that I know when I was young, I must've laughed at. Oh, I thought it was very funny to say I thunk it. You know okay. what I mean? That it was just, yeah. it's, it's kind of correct in my in my kid mind and the teacher gets to correct you, but laugh at the fact that you could even think the wrong way in the right way. You know what I mean? It's
0: really cool. (laughs) Yeah. And and how many times do you question, you know, you're taught something, you're like, but wait a second, I thought the rule was this and how come it doesn't, and it's like, stop questioning, just do it this way.
1: (laughs) Right. And and as you know, nowadays on the net, they have all the wonderful things of, you know, I before E, except after C, except the weird way that neighbor, and then they have like seven of the exceptions listed. And I kind of want to like memorize those because I love the overwhelm of it, but it's the fact that there's so many like uh, the O U G H thing, you know, the, um, the tough coughs while he plows the, the trough. And it's all, you know, there's seven different ways of saying this okay. same letter sequence. And so I've always loved that kind of stuff. I, I loved wordplay and. I guess it's not only puns; it's all those various different things. You know, when you start reading about literary devices, like here's where a part of the body stands for the body. You know, how many? How many? What's your head count? And of course, you're counting people. You know what I mean? But and and and, so, and Colleen's really good about that. She knows about zoigma. She knows about. She can like name. Oh, that's the one where uh, you voluntarily get it wrong for effect. You're like, I don't know. Here's a, a, a para what that means is it's a down the garden path statement. So it's when you say the a, a joke, a nice terse joke, a two liner that the first joke sets it up, and the second part of the of the joke turns left. It 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 like creates an expectation, and then violates it, but so quickly that you get that wonderful little jolt of surprise and like a giggle laughter instead of a bellow because you're just right, pleased okay. that someone thought about that. So it's the you know. Outside of a, a dog, you know, a book's your best companion. Inside of a dog, it's too dark to read. Right and, and that's Groucho, you know what I mean? How there's so many great ones like that. Emo Phillips is great at those. Um anyway, you know, that's I I love when there's those kinds of one and two liners where how much Mirth! How much pithy, perfect humor did you pack into just fifteen words?
0: And and just using yeah, the differences in words and how they sound, the different meanings, or the same word with completely different meanings.
1: Exactly, exactly. A a friend on Facebook, Kevin Schwartz, is like a modern practitioner of that. He he he's a stand-up comedian, but regularly tries out jokes on the net, and I must not just like but laugh half the time because he's he's an unending fountain of another cool slight abuse of that phenomenon it means the same but two different contexts, or it means two different things depending on spelling or it's he's just the fact that he keeps finding them in fact i know richard laterer another menson, he's got uh he made a whole career out of writing great books about all those fun little english irregularities and fun things to know so here's all the ways in which we name groups of animals and so it's not just a flock applies to all birds there's all the different it's a murder of crows. It's an right. exaltation of larks. And you know what I mean? And and it's kind of funny, even before Richard letterer I was aware of that, because Tony Randall used to go on Johnny Carson, and he often his segment would be he pull a little list out of his pocket and say, you know, I just happened to have been reading a little bit and I was wondering. And he would quiz Johnny. And one of the ways in which you got to know that Johnny wasn't just a comedian, but actually was a very sharp guy was how often he would know that it's, you know, a crash of rhinos or something like that. Like, when does that come up in conversation? You know, you have to kind of be well-read or quirky-read where you look for those kinds of things and remember them. And so I, I,
0: that was an early thing of, you know, I kind of want to learn a
1: lot of those, you
0: know? (laughs) Right, (laughs) right. I I remember once uh, something, it was like some— Special book or something coming out, and we were trying to get there and get a copy. And uh, we're sitting in the car; it's cold. We're waiting, and it's like almost time for the store to open. So you like see all these people getting out of their cars and walking to the store, and it's like you know a mass exodus towards the store. Yeah. And my daughter looks over and goes, "Oh wow, look! It's a flurry of nerds." I'm <laughs> like, "Oh, that's perfect. I love that." So it's a flurry of nerds,
1: <laughs> and actually. One of the one of the joys, no lie of language is you get to coin your own words or coin yeah. your own uses. So Colleen has talked about like for nerds or mensons, it's either a hug of mensons or it's a convolution of Mensons because depending on <laughs> in what context, that really, really matches. You know, and uh, like
0: Colin always says, every word was made up at some point.
1: <laughs> exactly. I'll tell you, I, I one of the joys of like going to um Um, I don't know, literary societies, Mensa groups, crossword puzzle tournaments, that kind of stuff is just people that love playing with that. And it's not the um, canned lectures that you're going to get out of. It's those talking until three in the morning with other people that take such delight in it. And so you get that where, wow, you know, Scrabble words like, how did I, you know, Zax, is that the most points per length? You know what I mean, depending on where you play it and the, learning the origins of things. A lot of people who play Scrabble, for instance, they just memorized what are the valid twos and threes, but they might not have really learned them. They might have only seen that they exist, not what right. the dictionary definition is. So it's very cool to then learn um where it comes from or that. Uh, one of the patterns I've noticed is that you know we don't you don't usually allow foreign words in an in an English language game of Scrabble unless there's no English equivalent. So pretty much all kinds of instruments, all kinds of flowers, all kinds of currency has made it into the English language because you don't call a real anything but a real. There's no translation of that coinage, and, and so it's kind of cool to to arm yourself with it doesn't even look like a real word but you know that it's good because you happen to know laotian currency or whatever else it might be you know it's
0: (laughs) not common in our part of the world yeah yeah so let me ask you this so it's very obvious you don't just read one style one thing uh you read all over the board fiction nonfiction, um and you know obviously it's exciting we we love talking about some of that stuff um What would you say are your, besides nonfiction, what are your favorite fiction genres and what attracts you to those? So um, one thing I've noticed
1: about myself is I really love serial fiction. I love it where it's not just a one shot and there's that great joy while you're reading it, but there's a little bit of, Oh, it's over when you're done. So when I first started to read comic books or uh, things that the story went on that really created in me that desire to say, well, what happens over time? What's going to happen to that character? How about someone who goes away for a while and the story weaves back in? And so the genres that seem to embrace that are science fiction. Often has not only standalone books but trilogies and and pentologies, and if that's the right word, <laughs> you know. But um, I really like where there's more to it that the the world keeps expanding and there's unexplored parts of the map and that kind of thing. I really like where there's recurring characters. And so mysteries often have a lot of that. There's a whole bunch of Hercule Poirot books. You know, there's a whole bunch of where you get to see, I, I really like the Spencer series. And he really goes through some changes over the course of his 50 books now. I think that most of them by the real Robert B. Parker, but now written by various different ghosts, all of whom really seem to have captured the essence of what it was to make a good Spencer book. And so that thing of, um, I guess... The Ongoing Story. I really like that. There's some books that are really perfect and pithy, and I'm satisfied with that, but I've noticed that I really graduate towards that. And in fact, one of the my little software projects that has never come to fruition, but I've often thought about is Knits, Next in the Series, something that specializes in if you're reading a series and you want to know what's the next book in this series so it's important to read them in order you know what i mean my god to read (laughs) the lord of the rings one and three and skip two it's like well what what about all the cool stuff that led to this and and also that you want a good recommendation engine so that you know if you like this author you'll probably like this guy so um Humor even has some things like if you like, it's not a matter of the characters created, but the author's style. Some people I just love how they write. So Dave Berry just cracks me up terry pratchett cracks me up there are certain things that they have such a a joy of language such a a sense of the absurd and and of like sometimes it's really punchy jokes sometimes it's a wonderful slow build up and then they really pants you with a great joke that you didn't see coming you know what i mean um pierce anthony used to have like every book title of his was a pun and so it's like i'm kind of in i want to know what he what in the world how, how does he do that um I also know that there's certain people that I don't read serially. I like to, um, like Terry Pratchett, he has a very specific, uh, that's a bad way to put it, a sense of humor that is distinctive enough, and the books are so funny, but if you read a bunch of them in a row, I notice that it's kind of like pushing that button to get a food pellet again and again. After a while, you need more, and I don't like to be addicted. I don't like to not find it funny because my brain is kind of like tuned now to this sense of humor so I see things coming, I tend to make sure I read those with some time in between so that my the humor interpreting part of my brain gets a chance to rest and it gets to be re-surprised and the, the re-expectation of he's really good at that kind of stuff. Right.
0: Plus it also, we've talked before, when your brain thinks about it subconsciously, you tend to appreciate it more you analyze it a little bit you you get things you didn't get before it kind of ferments almost and and grows to something new and better
1: exactly Um, and that's something that's kind of out of line with how people do things nowadays that oftentimes they'll binge tv and they'll watch like all 10 episodes of a show Whereas I tend to sprinkle between multiple shows, I watch them. And so, I, like you said, I get a chance for my brain to say, so what's really going on there? And who really might be behind the plot? And you know what I mean? Are they really in love or whatever else it might be? And so with books, it's almost kind of automatically a thing like that. Authors can only churn them out so quickly. Right. And so there's automatically a delay. And some part, I've always loved this, that when you can read a, a series that it doesn't even have like a recap at the start. Sometimes they do that, but you just kind of go back in. And then every time that you read another character, it's not another, it's like, oh yeah, that was the guy that was the thief that was jailed for a while. But you know what I mean? And it's like, you get to, it's cool to be aware that your mind from, wow, two years ago, it actually, each of those little threads is being pulled up and you're rearranging it into now I'm getting what's going on. And so it's very satisfying in some ways. And of course, some people abuse that. You know, when you're looking for the next book, and it's ten years in between, like George R. R. Martin, Martin. or you know <laughs> what I mean, or who, who did uh, um, Patrick Rothfuss. You know what I mean? He wrote yeah, a great book Name called The Leave in the Wind, but now in the second book, and now the second and a half kind of novella. But you know, I'm like, well, that's a dissatisfying thing. Now there's such pent up demand and so much time in between that I don't know I'm going to get satisfied that I finally get to read it. But there's a little bit of pissedness over, you know. I don't know. It's there's a there's a deal <laughs> between authors and their fan base. Right. To hook them, if you're writing a series that's meant to hook them, then you you can't abuse that. You can't like right. leave behind a tie for years and years, exactly. And when I read good refutations to that, you know, there's an author has no obligation to his fans whatsoever. He can work on a different genre, a different book, abandon the project entirely if it doesn't satisfy him anymore. He can, but I really appreciate the ones that wow, they they started with a big vision and they kept going and it wasn't just like I dunno, chugging through it and, and there's some authors that after a while they're I don't know what you they're not hacks, but they They're a little bit more predictable over the course of time. Whatever that that maybe it's new. They often talk about the first book that you read. That person has loved it, lived it, tuned it for many, many years. And then if it's successful, of course, you know the the commerce world comes and says, "Hey, if you have a sequel, you can make some more money." And then they don't have 10 years to do it. They really do only have one or two. And so <laughs> or less. the same level of quality, unless a person is really where they've mapped out an entire thing and they said, if this takes off, I got 10 books in me. Right. And sometimes you see that. You know what I mean? That there's anyway, I because I read serial fiction, it's also kind of a weird thing to be like, some things aren't just a trilogy. You know, there's six hundred shadow books. There's hundred and eighty Doc Savages. There's something like two thousand perry rodans wow. you know what i mean Matt like Bolin and, yeah, the executioner. and I, exactly that the men's at boy i read the executioner and the destroyer and the death merchant growing up how did i turn out to be a relatively decent human being when everything was about you well, need a
0: solution for that here it maybe is you're, blam,
1: blam, blam.
0: <laughs> maybe your split personality is just hiding that from
1: you, <laughs> you know i i, I kind of if ever things really went to hell and the mafia killed my family i i know what i would do i wouldn't say oh gosh i'd be like how many of them can i kill before they take me down
0: exactly You know what i mean (laughs) yes exactly so so let me ask uh what what don't you like to read have you picked up a book or a series or an author and you've read some you're like yeah this just isn't for me uh you know what don't you like
1: yeah so that's a great question i uh there's only been certain, like, uh, one of the dissatisfying things if you're a serial reader is you buy all three books with the expectation of, good, I got some good reading ahead of me. So there was um, one series by, like, for instance, the Stephen Donaldson books, um, the, the first, the, uh, let's oh, see, the, the, um, yeah, the, Thomas Covenant, The yes, Unbeliever. Yes. I plowed through, like, three 600-page books, and I, at the end, it was like, God, some great ideas, but so much. This went nowhere. This was dissatisfying. They, the hero wasn't heroic enough. Whatever the flouting of the conventions of the genre that he was doing, they weren't just like slight tweaks. They were like, well, this just really isn't. And so I disrecommend those to anybody. If you're looking for like a better book, <laughs> you know what I mean. There's all kinds of things. I, I love, I, and I kind of, I love heroic fiction. I really, for me, from comic books and for various different things, I like seeing where people have. A difficult job ahead of them, and they somehow, you know, the hero's journey, a young man grows into uh, the man he has to be in order to solve this. The young woman, same thing. They gain powers, they gain knowledge, they make big choices that are going to matter, especially if you're reading young. That's kind of what you're thinking about is, if I'm in that situation, would I be able to be as brave, as heroic, as um, thoughtful. in, in As those Keanu ways. Reeves. As Keanu Reeves. Exact. kill my dog? I got a whole bunch of bullets Rest. for you. You know, that <laughs> kind of thing. Um, so, um, I've read a series, a lot of times, one of the things after you've read a lot of books is you know that there's like 36 basic plots. And when I have read something that really seemed to be very derivative, very going nowhere, after the first hundred pages, I, there was one a series by uh, Constantine, I think, and, and um, they were just, he did so much kind of random world, word, world building. The characters were unlikable there. That they just was, you know, I, even though I bought these three books, I kind of don't want to invest the time. My time is now more valuable than having to see what happens. That's part of probably why I'm a serial fiction is that, you know, sometimes you really have to see it to the end. You know, I'm, I don't know that I'm the, the best at getting to the finish line of a hundred yard dash, but I'm always standing at the end of, a, you know, so I really like that satisfaction of i stuck it out and some are so bad that they really are not worth that um i don't tend to read a lot of true crime and like exploitative things as much as i just talked about heroic fiction often the villain is really villainous and they really have you know made up things but somehow reading about how bad people really can be it's just i don't know that i want to know that about the world so i don't mm-hmm. read serial killer biographies you know what i mean i just i kind of don't want to know how i i guess i kind of avoid things that i don't want to think the worst about the world when i read history i there's all kinds of as you might imagine war and conflict and so forth but i don't know that i want to read about death camps about the worst things that have happened i don't need to read any more about the kamar rouge and i don't know if even i'm saying that correct there's one that i don't know that i've heard said out loud um where wow how did humanity let that happen for as long. You know what I mean? I don't want to read about um terrible things. I don't want books to put images in my mind that I can never get out. You know what I mean? And, right. and TV it's is okay. even worse than that, you know. It's
0: okay if it's dragons doing it. I guess <laughs> that, yeah.
1: Whatever remove you need, whatever ability to push it aside and say well that couldn't really happen and so even as awful as it was written the dragon did indeed melt the guy alive in his armor you know what i mean oh it's a dragon you know what i mean there's no way that can happen Uh, but i uh, so both for books and for any kind of media i some people really have um so i tend to have maybe what's my motivating um let me think how to say this What's the drug that my body produces that I most enjoy? And I like serotonin where it's the pleasure drug. I like various different tastes. I don't know that I'm an adrenaline junkie. Some people that really like really horrible movies or real action adventure where there's real danger, I think that I don't mind my roller coasters and all kinds of things that are that adrenalized. But getting to where it's the next step over of where you're really like, I could die here. I just don't have the need to go that fast in my car that I'm really out of do you know what right. I mean? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. and and things that portray that, I I never have liked, you know, that when horror becomes torture porn.
0: Yeah, I agree. The slasher the, stuff is not
1: slasher stuff, or if like, really, you know, that genre of like, oh God, someone got captured and they're in a hostel and someone's going to drill them. Why? How is that entertainment? And yet, for some interesting segment of the population, that really is entertainment. They just they like the stress. They like the. I don't even know. I I so much don't want to think about that. Right, right, yeah. Think about myself as being a person who likes that, and so I will. I will say that. You know, you get to know someone by talking about what kind of books they like, what kind of movies they like. And there's been some people that were like, "Wow, you're kind of like a serial killer in training. Did you kill animals when you were young? Like, is all you watch Grindhouse movies with another terrible, horrible torture scene? How is that?" Ugh, I and horror
0: like- <laughs> I, I i've talked with others about this i think we've talked about it horror is one of those that has a very uh large uh group of subgenres, and they're very divisive you know uh i, I like the gothic uh horror that's mystical maybe you know supernaturalish when it gets to the the slasher or the psychopath eh, i don't even consider it horror in my mind yeah i i, I go with the the I want something very moody and gripping and something that I can't explain with science in this world.
1: Exactly. And actually, so that's a very interesting thing. The um, Some part of what I don't like to watch is I like my world to have a certain amount of sense and order to it. And so the supernatural that you're talking about, it still seems to have rules. You know, why right. did it come back? How can you send it back? Et cetera, et cetera. But when things just happen randomly, oh no, you're camping in the wrong place and some biker gang or some group of mutants decides yeah. to, like oh I just I don't want to think that the world is that unsafe a place why give myself two hours of having that terrible idea reinforced you know what I mean so it there's a whole bunch of maybe people that want to think could they get through a tough situation but making a terrible awful unbelievable situation and still subjecting people to it I've never liked those kinds of things the randomness of it yeah. the you know so
0: so uh, uh, Do you read nowadays, mostly old stuff that you've read before or authors, you know, or are you looking for new books, new authors? Uh, You know, how do you balance that? Decide what are your habits?
1: So, it, it really is a balancing act. I, when I discover an author that I like, I tend to read everything that they've done, you know, and so sometimes they've done numbers in, a, in the same series. Sometimes they've branched out. Uh, they, they've done multiple things. When I scan those bookshelves in the way that we've talked about, I look for authors with whom I am familiar. And it's kind of like, well, I read all the Heinlein and Heinlein's gone and he's not making any more. So, there's a cap on that, if you will. Right. Um, however, I'm always looking for new books and looking for like in my genres, you'll I'm I'm as susceptible to a good pull quote as anybody else. And to a uh, convincing cover and to like the, whatever the back page summary is of, okay, it's got palace intrigue and maybe a little bit of magic. And it's got, you know, really, uh, I don't know, conflict within the family and stuff like that. And so there's certain things. I don't know that I look specifically for them, but I do have a set of check boxes that say, well, this will be complex. It'll be like, and, um i guess i'm i have a real novelty gene in me i really like variety and so if i've read i don't know how many quest books can you read where there's a specific MacGuffin that people are trying to get and whether it's a cup or you know a, a special right. book or whatever else it might be but if it is um i don't know um something new like here's a whole new world that seems to be uh the world is 98 percent covered by water and islands are really valuable it's like well let's explore that i really would like to see how that plays out or a desert world like dune or a um you everything is telepathic you know what i mean it's not just human beings are the dominant intellectual force on the planet though of course there are dolphins and crows and white mice. You know I mean? They're pan-dimensional, hyper-intelligent beings, according to Douglas. <laughs> <names. laughs> and so it I really like seeing where they've, um, science fiction especially is great with, let's take this idea and run with it and just see where it goes. And so what if there was teleportation? What if there was unlimited sources of energy? What if we reached other planets? And my curiosity is just so wonderfully sated by that kind of thing that that's probably where I try the most new authors is because they seem to have a new idea. You know what I mean? Maybe if if um, uh, Heinlein went back to Mars again and again, well, I kind of want to read something beyond Mars. What if you had to live on a gas giant? What would be the bubble you'd live in that was... Um, so um, I also, it's kind of funny, I am happily satisfied with the number of times of, well, this looks cool. You know, there's some series where they really, they the, the marketeers said... What are the covers that will attract undue attention that if we can just get people to say this looks cool, how do you really judge a 300 page book from a pull quote and a, you know, a good cover? And yet if it's got Frazetta on the cover, I'm like, well, at least they know what people like in the genre. If they got Boris Vallejo, if they got, you know, various different great cover artists that I like. One of the reasons that I loved Doc Savage growing up was not only that I liked the heroic fiction of it, it's that the covers looked fantastic. They were ultra-realistic. Um, James Bama was the artist, you know, and, and that, that Widow's Peak plus the Jodpers and the Torn Shirt, a very distinctive con- connecting look between the books, and and that always the cover I've heard any number of books where the cover was like, well that scene doesn't even occur in the book. What what kind of, you know, bait and switch was that? That instead they really were indicative of the book, like what was going to be the mystery, the menace, the the thing. And I um so I guess I also love just kind of bookstores are good for this but even on amazon they've tried to put in recommendation engines where they say hey if you liked jim butcher you might like this guy and so i've tried to make sure that i've gone through and not only have i bought things but over the course of time i've kind of said i like this and this and this i follow these various different authors and any number of times they've popped up with you know if you like uh i just discovered a series by greg Hurwitz that was about like a an assassin that couldn't stand being an assassin anymore. So became the nowhere man. Now he helps people, but he's got all of his assassin tradecraft. So he stays off the grid and stuff like that. And I'm pretty sure I, I don't know that I ever would have picked it out except that Amazon said, Hey, by the way, if you like that, you might like this. And then I look, and it's like, well, it's five books in. Yes, it's not a standalone. Right. So it, they lured something. me in. Exactly. And and in fact, that's now led to another one that's called The Gray Man. I don't know why I'm into assassins lately. Maybe some kind of wish fulfillment about our current government situation. But and actually not current, post-current. You right, know I mean? yeah. There would have been... Here, this- let's go on record saying you know that idea that we had with having the fifty two deck of cards as to if we took these people out in the Middle East, things would calm down that deck could have been made for a whole bunch of poor do you know people that really violated the trust here in the United States, yeah, that, that terrible thing, of course, I don't advocate that, please surveillance van, I would never think that killing anybody is the solution to anything. But having said that, in the fantasy world of books, it's,
0: fun to read about.
1: <laughs> it's nice to say, Well, the Gordian notches got cut, didn't it? You know what I mean? And comic books, we haven't even talked about that. Did you no. know and I was going to get
0: that? to that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but let me ask, let me ask this because I, I know what you mean. And I think what two things you talked about series, I think is big. A lot of people uh, like to read a series. In fact, I just talked to an author yesterday that Gina has read the first 12 books and is like anxiously awaiting 13 and, <laughs> and she did the, well, I'll check it out. And like, Oh, now I got to have all of them, you know? And when I was younger, I read Dragonlance and I loved Dragonlance. So I sitting on my shelf, I've got like 20 some dragon and that's not even all of them. Right. Um, you know, we've talked about series, but you also talked about covers and how big that is. And that's a big thing for authors. Uh, the first thing authors want is I want something different. I want to, you know, have something that's unique and that's not what you need. Uh, I do the same thing. I look at the cover and you're right. It's stupid, but if I see a cover that appeals to me, that's going to make the book better for me, or I yeah. hope it is, you know, exactly. and, and that's exactly what uh, they do. Let me ask this it's for enough
1: to blend, but to stand out, you know what I mean? That you can yes. see that it's in the genre and it's good to be good at that, but that it's got a new take on it, you know what yeah. I mean? So. And that's
0: exactly why for my stuff right now, I got Tom Zoller to uh, draw the cover. Uh, okay. it's, it's a middle grade fiction. It's got a drawn cover. It's got a boy on it. It shows a wizard, you know. Yeah, it's the scene. I even looked at, and I'm like, "Oh crap! I didn't give him enough detail." He's got the hero fighting the the main wizard, and the other guy hiding. That's not how the book goes. That's not but how it goes. <laughs> it conveys, you know. Hey, you know, if, if you've read other books with covers similar, grab this one. You know, exactly. What what? Let me ask this. Um, things like Star Trek that you watch a TV show or you see a movie. Are, do you then like to go read the books associated with it or the novelization of the movie or anything like that? Honestly,
1: I don't do that as much as I once did. Um, when I was young, I, I really liked that genre so much that I not only watched the Star Trek show and the animated show but i read the novelizations of them and often the authors were skilled enough like alan dean foster was one james blish that they added things to so whatever you could only get in an hour worth of tv show they added backstory they added context and all kinds of good um, additional characterization of what's going on and so i liked those but then i somehow i must have read enough novelizations that were just oh, that's the movie. There's nothing that's added good. to it. And and so I didn't, I wasn't getting the satisfaction out of it. I felt like that was a place where it wasn't being written by an author, it was being written by a marketing committee. And they were saying, hey, there's another um, part of the market that we can appeal to if we have the movie and the book and the poster and the game. And I didn't, I didn't want to feel like I was the willingly fleeced fan that had to have everything of that kind of stuff. So I don't know that I read those so much uh, anymore. Um, I like it where they take a series and they have additional books to it. So Star Trek started to do it that they weren't uh, novelizations of the episodes, but original works. And I discovered all kind like Peter David. I'm trying to think what well, other authors that I really really seem to get it. You know, like uh, Doctor Who had all kinds of novelizations, and then they also had people that were, I think, writing new works. And I really like the fact that when when you can see someone that um, I don't know they loved it as much as I did, but they had also the the creativity to say, well, what was going on in between this episode and this episode? Right. And I, so I really have respect for that. Um, Some of the series that we've talked about where, well, you know, Brian Herbert is continuing the Dune books from his father, Frank, with, and Kevin, Anderson. with Kevin Anderson. And they're quite good. And I, I when I first read, I re, I, I, the first one I read was like, I hope this isn't the cash grab. I hope this isn't, you know, and yet they, he, they captured, again, the essence of what made the book good, the vocabulary, the understanding of the characters, but filled in things that hadn't been addressed enough in the books in some way. So it was a very satisfying thing to have the backstory filled in or to have things alluded to that instead, here's, here's you heard all about the android revolution or whatever else it might be, you know? Um, I think that I... Have read so much that that phenomenon doesn't happen most often. I've read the book first before the movie comes out instead of the other way around. You know what I mean? So all the Harry Potters I had read and and et cetera et cetera. We can start naming all the things that when it finally becomes a movie, it's like well that's um I kind of have been waiting. I've been waiting for them to make that a whole bunch of comic books that have become movies, they had to wait for the special effects and the, the size of the scope of what they were able to do to match what you can do in
0: comic books. You know Arguably I mean? too. I would say comic book movies, they had to capture the right feeling. Not always, not just special effects. That was huge. It had
1: Absolutely.
0: to you know, look like it, but it really, you know, I think before iron man, they treated comic book movies as oh this is just a kids thing you know whatever yes. but they took it seriously and it's like okay we don't want to make a comic book movie for kids we want to make an adult movie that people can enjoy regardless of reading comics and yeah, I think that was a change mindset yeah. change I,
1: I are you totally one of
0: those are you one of those with a book that if a movie comes out that looks really good based on a book and you haven't read it are you one of those that you got to go get the book and read it first
1: i have done that i'm trying to think what an example of that might be um you know where i really did i wanted to have the backstory to the characters and kind of the my own idea of what was going on there okay most 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 things get made where the character in the movie is good enough compared to the character in the book once in a while it hits with such a thud it's like we're rereading the same book that isn't at all what i pictured in my mind that isn't how that the for instance there's a in in the first Dune movie, which is, you know, kind of like reviled because it so much didn't match the tone of the books right. and which it amazes me to see Frank Herbert's name in the credits as a uh, consultant, because how did he miss? Like, it's not Fremen, it's Freeman. That's, you know, anyway, and there's a great scene with um someone cries at a funeral and on a desert planet giving... Why? Well, know why? It's a f- giving water to the dead is an incredible thing. It's a very moving thing, and when they see want to first do it, it it really is a huge scene in the books and in the movie. It was just like eh, it. They didn't. They didn't make anything out of the impact of it that it had in the book.
0: So why? Why did they miss such a a, a, a pinnacle of the book? You and know, that, that's I've talked to some other people about this. We've talked about it that. The movies have always been, oh, a big movie. That's great that this book got turned into it. But more and more, they're making eight, 10 episode TV shows with huge budgets. And more and more authors are going, you know what? Those TV shows are much more interesting than the movies because they get time to explore. They can really get into it in depth and really capture people.
1: I am absolutely in that camp nowadays. You know what I mean? Especially with the advent of you don't have to cater to lowest common denominator. There's only three, five major networks. You can have every single niche addressed on Netflix and Amazon and and Hulu and wherever else you want to go to. So man, I just, I discovered that I have HBO max. I didn't want to pay for it because I already had Two infinities from Amazon Prime and Netflix. And you know what I mean? I already had Aleph, Null, and One. I don't know that I need another. And yet, HBO Max has Doom Patrol. HBO Max has Titan. HBO
0: Max is pretty impressive.
1: Oh, man. Doom Patrol, they've so much. Very well captured the Grant Morrison version of the Doom Patrol, which was quirky and funny and terrifying. And it was so, so good at capturing... What it is to have freaks be heroes. That the public is never going to thank you for saving the world. They're going to thank you for saving the world and then say, yeah, but get out of here. You kind of unnerve me. You know what I mean? And, and they make allusions to all the past of Doom Patrol because it has been through like seven different incarnations in comic books over the course of time. And they don't do it to... Make fun of them or to dismiss them, they really say, "Well, what was the good elements of those kinds of things?" And that's what kind of informs this current version of them. Yeah. There, whoever's writing that show, whoever's the showrunner, they really get it, and I'm and just so happy. That,
0: <laughs> and that's so important. And you were talking earlier about uh, they that books people have written based on TV shows, Doctor Who, etc. I know there was a book based on the old MacGyver series. And it was really hard to find. I got it, read it, uh, actually not too long ago, within the last decade. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Wow, whoever wrote this book must have never watched a single yeah. episode of the show." <laughs> this is all I think. What it was, they, this author had a adventure type book, and so they hired him and said, "Just change it to MacGyver, and we'll put it out." And that's so not what you can do now. People are very not only are they smarter and want demand more. But there's more talking about it. There's more networking. You know, if you screw it up, Absolutely. there's so many people that will jump on the bandwagon and let you know. That's you really true. Just, you know, if it's a beloved property, you can't just throw schlock out there.
1: Yeah. Early on, one of the joys of going to Comic-Cons was that was one of the, the few um, – industries and that's not even the right term you know media where there was very much interaction directly between the fans and the creators you know there's always been a bit of remove for the movies and for plays and stuff like that that it was critics reviewing them it was there's there's just like more of a there's layers if you will whereas i was at early comic cons where fans would ask the artist of a book about a specific scene drawn in a comic. Why did you do this this way? And the artist would say, well, because of this and this and this. And the, and each of them would leave very satisfied with, wow, you really have paid attention to that level of detail. And yes, I really did have a reason for doing it that way. And so that's a very, very cool thing about the world of comic books is that the barriers have been down for a long time of, even though this guy just made a 100,000 copies selling comic book, you know, at that time, very, very good, he's willing to talk to little billy because billy loves it and billy really lives it
0: you know what yeah. i mean so and it's it's kind of interesting too because a couple of years ago you would not have seen an a-lister movie star on a, a netflix tv show now guess what there's no movies and all you have available and all of a sudden all these a-listers are coming on the movies on the tv shows on netflix and hulu and everything and they're really good and people are watching it and subscribing and, you know, HBO, uh, the, you know, why do I go to the theater? Because I can watch it right now on HBO the day it comes out type thing, exactly. you know, and I, the world's totally different, man. I mean, you know, movies yeah. are different in the theaters over the last two decades than they were the seventies and eighties. And now it, everything's changed again.
1: Absolutely, it's cool to have been around for a long time to have got seen them things go through those generations of like I don't know. There was a time when, if you want to look at uh, the movies made of Stephen King books, please don't watch the first twenty of them because they bought the book, they bought this incredibly well written property, and then proceeded to muck it up. Maximum
0: Overdrive, uh, you know, it was just made silly. Okay, (laughs) you got to admit the trucks looked cool. Uh, what well, the one had the green goblin on it, right? Right, on the front. and right. gotta admit, um, what's his face? Uh, the uh, the actor looking at the the pop machine and the pop goes toink and leaves the mark in his forehead come on that, I mean that's memorable
1: <laughs> so memorable and you just named the two things that well, are exactly, <laughs> about it.
0: but when I was what at what 10 or whatever that was a pretty cool movie
1: I agree what I like now is that when you see that there really are many times they don't just dismiss things they bring the author on to say give us advice as to so we captured yeah. the well you know the, your thing sold 10 million copies you got the sauce you got yeah. the magic Let's not lose that in the translation here. So whatever they used to do to buy the book and then do whatever they wanted with it, it really seems to be that they're trying to, yeah. Um, But having said that, and we haven't talked about this yet, I just watched the Wonder Woman 84 movie, and Jeff Johns is consultant to it, and he's written a whole bunch of Wonder Womans. Has done great work for DC, and yet, boy, this movie falls flat. Sometimes movies are, you know, there are a committee that puts it together or they go amongst too many different comic book series to grab different pieces instead of saying, well, the series, the arc of this story was really convincing in and of itself. You don't need to keep throwing too many villains in, throwing too many references in, whatever else it might be. And and I don't know, man. I just
0: – DC what is keeps is it shooting
1: itself in the foot. <laughs>
0: it, Marvel pretty much has nailed what people like about the Marvel movies, what people like about those characters, uh, how to put those characters together and write a movie that's satisfying and fun and great special effects. Right. and
1: has great it, danger. It's got great heroism. You know what I mean? Yeah, and,
0: and, it's an exciting movie, which is what movies need to be. You know, we're, we're not talking about where the red fern grows or anything like that. You know, it's right. an exciting action movie for the most part. There's various styles within there. But DC just seems to keep um they get something that's oh that's not too bad and then well those are the rest of them all kind of suck uh, and, I, and i
1: don't know how to account for it because they've yeah. got three characters i mean they've got as historic as as stirring characters as i they could deal with and yet maybe they look at marvel and say wow they're really doing well let's not do what they're doing yeah, <laughs> yeah. no humor in a thing that you need humor to like Cut the tension of a movie so you can take a breath and move on to the next scene. Or maybe they just have people that are trying to be funny that
0: aren't, because there's a yeah, lot maybe. of that too. You Don't know, get it yet. Uh, but what you said about the authors, I think. Back in the day, that was kind of the thing. And Stephen King has talked about this a lot. People like, well, what'd you think about that movie? Because, you know, it kind of sucked compared to your book. He's like, hey, they want my movie. They pay me money. They tell me to get lost. I don't care. He's like, I separate myself from that. It's based on my book. They could do whatever they want with it and pay me the money. Right. But now, like
1: that, the fact that by him giving, having gotten money from that, he has. Uh, the life that lets him write about anything he wants. He doesn't have to worry about any marketing survey that says, Hey, we're going to need a book with rodents in it because they're big this year. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah.
0: But then I think now they're discovering that if they get the original author involved, that they can get a better product and that's what people expect and want. And they can't just screw it up. Exactly. Again, people talk. And even if, I've never read a DC comic, which I can't imagine, you know, who hasn't at least known Mm -hmm. the characters a little bit. But, you know, if I'm going to go see one of those movies, but I happen to be on the net and everybody's saying the movie sucks, I'm going to go, eh, maybe I'll stay away from it. Or I go in like not expecting a lot. And I think that hurts or harms things also,
1: good or bad. I used to take that advice when it was, you know, so movies are 10 bucks nowadays, but I can wait for it to come to the cheap theater, or I can wait for it to come to video. And so I think I saw the first Green Lantern movie after having waited a long time because the, the reviews were so overwhelmingly poor of it that I was like, I really kind of like that character, and I don't want to see it despoiled, so I'm going to give it a dollar. I'm going to see it for a dollar, yeah, and the popcorn will make me happy. Like, great, right, until, great right, boy, until it's, see, and I hardly ever, I don't want that, you know, when it used to be that it would make it onto TV, but in order to inject all the advertising and make it fit within two hours, boy, did they do a hatchet job on all kinds of things that I had seen and wow. loved. It's like,
0: well, where's that scene? Wait okay. a minute. <laughs> get this 10 Cloverfield lane. I don't know if you've seen the Cloverfield movies.
1: I, I saw the very first one and none of the supposed, not sequels, but in the series, if you will. Yeah. Connected yeah. universe. Okay. Okay.
0: So the second one, the John Goodman, um, and it's set, Basically, it's kind of a, a psycho. Like a
1: fallout shelter, right? He's, yeah. he's uh, okay. Yeah.
0: yeah. So uh, like the first one, you don't really see the monster aliens. You don't really know what's going on. Uh, it starts building. And then at the very end, the last 10 minutes, the girl gets out and the aliens are coming and there's a big monster alien. There's a showdown. And, you know, that's when J.J. Abrams <laughs> starts happening. Got it. But when they put it on TV, they cut almost all of that out. And it was gone. And I I watched it, oh, and I was like, what oh, the heck? There's, the movie, how could you do that? You took out what the movie was building to completely. So the rest of it meant nothing. It was so bad. That's You know,
1: it. I know that there are some people that are able to cross genres. So like J. G. Abrams, as much as he's a great movie maker, I don't know that he's a great author necessarily. Right. When I've seen people that try to do that, there are some people that they really kind of – They have a sweet spot. They got to stick to their strengths. And so, and, and there's been some experimentation. I read a series called something like level 26, where it's like, it is a serial killer series, but it's about catching them. But this guy that kind of like, um, the, um, bear with me, Silence of the Lamb. You know, the man, the, the books where, in order to be a good serial killer catcher, you have to be empathic enough, able to envision what's going on in their head. And then that might damage you a lot. Right. And so that's what this that by by Zyker, I think Z U I K E R or C K E R. And he did an interesting thing where in the book, it's not only you're reading the book, he actually did little things videos that were if you want to investigate the crime scene along with inspector dark go to this this link That was cool it was a it was a very cool like maybe make your own venture a little bit more um interactive if you will but i also realized over the course of time that i couldn't lose myself in the book as easily as i do when i just keep turning the pages and read it, you know, sometimes, oh my god it's four o'clock in the morning what did i do by having that constant little interruption it I like where you have to think about what's going on and it gave you clues and that kind of stuff. So, but it was also how my mind processes things like visually on the page versus visually on the screen. It was jarring as well as it was satisfying. And I don't know that I like, Hey, let's read more of these because I just found that I like immersing myself into a book and I like immersing myself into a movie, but kind of jumping back and forth. It wasn't working as well as either one of those by its own you know so
0: it's a good experiment and it's an interesting thing to try and somebody might get it just right Uh, i know there have been kids books that do that like solve the clues and they have things to get you online and stuff like that so let me ask uh, what do you think uh of the Zack snyder cut coming of justice league
1: so given that I've heard there's four different things about it either it's going to be a 1 4 hour movie then it was going to be a series of things then it went back to being I'm I'm curious as hell because I like Zack Snyder's work on other things enough That I trust him. I'm curious to see what he's going to do. You know, Watchmen, which was by many, was thought to be kind of unfilmable because it had so much going on. I thought the Watchmen movie was pretty good. And then the Watchmen series, you know, that followed up, I don't think Snyder was involved necessarily. Anyway, I'm curious as hell. And especially sometimes the director's cut really does fix what the studio did to make it fit within a certain time, um, make it that you focused on certain characters because they're the most salable ones. We got to get our action figure sales up. And so make sure you feature, you know what I mean? I'm hoping that he's enough of an auteur that his vision of what the justice league could be and the interplay between the characters and letting that stretch out a little bit, four hours is a long, that's an iron butt of a movie. And yet if they put a little intermission and I can go, you know, Refill my popcorn and take a little well, bio break. I'll HBO. be okay with that. <laughs> Sorry,
0: so you'll be able to watch it on HBO next month. One month
1: is that what I didn't? Uh, thank you very much. Well, they got to add it to my queue. I got. It. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: And I, I, I find it interesting. Uh, first of all, I'm not one of those people that blames Joss Whedon for ruining it. He was, uh, you know, I he was kind of put in a bad situation. Maybe he was a jerk about it. Maybe he didn't want to do it. I, I don't know, but. You know, how would you feel if you were in a project and someone pulled you off of it and said, go do this other project that this other guy started and right. you're a completely different style. So I'll give them a little bit of a break. I honestly didn't think Justice League was a horrible movie. I enjoyed it. I, I thought okay. it was fun. But I'm always a sucker for the director's cuts. And because right. most of the time, they really do improve it and make it better. Not always, but a lot of times. And I know... Batman versus Superman, that movie, Mm -hmm. I will not watch the theatrical version. It has to be the director's cut because the stuff they cut out was essential and vital to the story. As far as I was concerned, it it. made sense. It made it flow. Well, so what it was 15 minutes longer. It felt like a better movie. And I think studios are realizing people aren't like, Oh, hour and a half. I can't sit anymore and watch a movie. You know, they're like two hours, three hours, you know? so, I'm excited. We were going to do a whole day and we're all going to sit down and watch it.
1: There you go. Exactly. See, that's, I like where they're still finding ways to make it like destination television. You know what I mean? You put it in your calendar. You're going to not make, you're not going to miss it. It's there's some, some things that maybe by genre and fanatics in that genre, you know, when the, when the next star Wars movie comes out, there's all those people that are camping out for days beforehand because it's such a religion to them. And there's certain things I'm, omnivorous enough that there's hardly anything that i have to be there on opening day but having said that there's something very cool about being there with your fellow fanatics and so me and the boys all the my comic book friends before when they they didn't um they would open it at 1201 On Thursday night slash Friday morning, you know, I didn't want to wait until the Saturday, Friday night show. If I'm willing to stay up late, and that means that I really get to be the first people to see the latest, you know, Iron Man 3 or something like that. We did that a dozen times because it isn't only the movie. It's seeing everybody like, oh, you happen to dress up. Oh, you really, you love these movies. They they get it. They laugh when they should. They, they, you know, they have the appreciative, Ooh, and it's like, Oh yeah, that's you know, exactly what pepper pots would have done. You know, I don't know. It, it's, it's, um, I definitely with my tribe, my people.
0: Yeah, <laughs> and, and maybe it's cause we're, I'm older now, but I definitely can appreciate. I got a big TV. I have a surround sound. I can appreciate being able to just walk down to my living room and turn on the newest movie and watch it with my family, make popcorn. And then, come back up to my bedroom or whatever, you know, right. I, rather than, okay, everybody, we got to get going. It's almost time for the movie and jump in the car and driving. And, uh, you know, in some ways it's almost like I don't want to return to that. I still want big screen movies, but like we've said before, I've got a projector. I've got, you know, high definition. I can watch it just about as good as in the theater right on the side of my house. Yeah. yeah. So it's changing.
1: Yeah. What I've discovered is I really like the immersive experience. I'm, yeah. I'm not a distractible guy. I actually have really good focus, but when I'm home, I notice that because you're home, you're like, well, I could take a break anytime I want to yes. go to the restroom, to check my phone, to go get a, a you know, a, cut up an orange or something like that. And when you commit yourself to, I'm going to do nothing but watch this James Bond movie for two hours. I want the big screen and the big sound and, like I said, the immersive experience. I agree. I'm not willing to give up on that yet. And there's other times when Colleen and I want a date night. And we're going to go see Silver Linings Playbook because all I want to think about is I'm sitting next to my beloved and we're going to hold hands and we're going to watch this tearjerker of a movie and put the world outside of us for a moment. And that's kind of cool, too. You yeah, good well,
0: so. no luck with that. I, I was trying to look for a good movie to for me and Gina to go see on Saturday. Okay. I haven't looked at the Cinemark. I'm like, there absolutely is nothing. We've got way more choices at home right now.
1: You're right. And with COVID has changed everything. You know, we haven't been to the movies in a long time. I used to do things it's kinda of funny, you know. <laughs> I used to go to like one to five by that meaning, you know, I'd see two movies at a matinee, so it was cheap, cheap, and I was like, I don't even know that I so much want to see these movies, except for for three bucks or whatever, you know, for and, and 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 a free refill of popcorn and stuff once in a while. Especially this is kind of funny, I when I do immersive things like code or write, you, sometimes you just need to get away from that, really get a, a palate cleansing in between. <laughs> Yeah. And going to see a couple movies that are not at all. You don't have any commitment. You don't have to think about anything. It was a real way of just kind of like hitting the reset button and taking a deep breath. And then when you come back, you're refreshed. And big walks in nature do that. There's certain activities that I've discovered. I embrace those because they really help to clear my head and give me fresh perspective. You know what I mean? And sometimes... Isaac Asimov I've talked about this all the time. He had any number of Eureka moments when he would go see a movie because he had kind of hit a, a snag in a book, and while he's sitting in the movie, yeah. his background brain is going and, and like, oh, that's how I'll get him off the planet. Absolutely. I, I've had those things happen too,
0: where yeah. a long standing bug reveals itself to me when I wasn't thinking about at all. Because I, you got I, that loop going in your head, but yes. when you cannot focus on it, it, it suddenly reveals what? Yeah, I've done it a million times. Yeah. Me, what What do you uh, think of Wandavision? Have you been watching it?
1: I have not. So <gasps> it, it's. See, it, it, I, is that on HBO? I'm not, I'm not sure All where it is. But 50. 50. there's it,
0: another one to add to you.
1: That's we we. I don't. I don't want to pay too much for TV. I, I don't agree. Watch too Un- much TV. And
0: unfortunately, so, yeah. this year alone, there's like eight or nine. A marvel and tv shows coming out that is only on disney plus
1: on disney plus and they yeah. they they know that in order to make it that you have to have them they have to have exclusives they're really compelling yeah. and so when they took all the bbc programming off and you couldn't get on netflix or anywhere else and then the only place to see doctor who it's like you bastards you got me mm-hmm. i'm gonna have to you know my or, or i i've been watching them on dvd and and it takes a while. You know what I mean? It, it's just like nowadays with the post office being slow, I get maybe a disc a week. I used to get it like every three days. So my Netflix disc subscription has yes. really kind of gone down in value. And Netflix Same apologizes here. all the time, not Netflix. Um, Yes, Netflix DVD. Yeah. They apologize, but it's like, well, <laughs> nonetheless, unless the right. post office gets fixed, this has half the value that it used to. Exactly.
0: So, yeah. Uh, well, we've been watching WandaVision and I will give it, it is definitely different. I mean, if somebody went there expecting another Thor or guardians movie or action captain America movie, it is not that it is. I mean, we understand what's going on because we've read the comics and basically Wanda, her mind has snapped. She created her own little reality. So to bring vision back and now the boys are there. So she had, you know, and she keeps changing it. Like the one time, uh, a sword agent, Showed up, they got in, and she looked at and said no. In reverse time, you within her listening to the relentless to change geekery what podcast was and come back. As, next so, week, all these and little conversations on. on geek topics. Um, of- and we've and got a
1: probability, a reality altering mutant, yes, who really all bets are off. What would yeah. happen in the world that could have that <laughs> re- yeah. re- rewriting of actuality? You know, but so the way
0: they do it is each episode is a different genre era of comedy family tv so the first episode was a 50s tv show in black and white filmed with the screen in uh the second season was 60s and then 70s and it looked it looked like the brady bunch and the clothes and so yeah yeah, it's definitely showing that reality is something wrong with it. And we now know that it's this bubble and sword is outside and they brought back people. Um, do you remember, uh, in Thor, um, Jane Foster's assistant, um, forget her name. Okay. Um, Darcy, Darcy, the okay. assistant, she's in this now. Um, Interesting. Okay. and in Captain Marvel,
1: like episode four was kind of like the big reveal as to, yes. Oh, ooh, that's what's really going on. Okay. Yes.
0: And, uh, uh in Captain Marvel, her best friend that was the pilot right uh that best friend had a daughter. well, that daughter's now grown up, and she's in the show
1: interesting, so, so- they are Interweaving generational, like you said, not only are they hopping from decade to decade, but they're bringing in people from other series because Wanda liked them and said, "I'll make them part of my little bubble." No, no,
0: no. This Those is our
1: real of ones. Oh boy. Oh.
0: Yeah, the, in, in reality, is one in her reality. It's one thing, but Sword showed up, so they don't have Shield anymore. Now they have Sword, and uh, it's it's literally they've surrounded it. It's a bubble. She took over a town and created her reality within that that's what she can control and so um anyone that gets too close gets sucked in but essentially their mind is wiped and they become part of the reality so they think they're a a neighbor uh all of this and the daughter was one of those but her brain she started remembering things and wanda said no and shoved her out it back out of the reality. So if her
1: will was too strong to just accept the overlay, you can't have that spoiling it. Okay, got it. Yeah, um, so
0: it's been interesting. I mean, she's powerful and uh, there's a lot going on. So uh, unfortunately, you if you really want to see some of these shows, you may end up having to break down because <laughs> I know they're not going to release them on DVD yet. I don't think they will.
1: I, I, I You know, it's, it's kind of, will they in five years? You know what I mean? I, I have, I because I'm I omnivorous. Like I really it. can wait a long time. I mean, I'm still working on You know, um, Doctor Who's from the previous season before the Lady Doctor Who. You know what I mean? So I I don't know that I have anything that addicts me so much that I'm willing to pay a ton in order to get it. That's a stubbornness on my part. You know, if I really was trying to live my best life, what's... Yeah. $25 a month for three months, watch all that you want, and then be done with it.
0: Right. Well, uh, you know? <laughs> see, we've got it, but we've also got eight people that watch just about everything. So per person, it comes out to not too bad. I hear um, you. That's really true, you know? But... Now they're starting to release things like on Disney uh, special access, whatever it's called, you know, but it's like $30 a month or something. And they're like, well, let's rent this movie. And let's, I'm like, no, I'm already paying for it. Wait, six, not even six, wait three months and it'll be out and we can watch it. You know, we've got plenty of other things to see. And, Getting the kids to understand, well, just pay five or six dollars. Yeah, but that's a whole month of rental or a whole month of subscription. Just wait, you know. It's a
1: one thing instead of the infinity of that, you know, a whole month exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's, I'll tell you, I, I have I mentioned this before. I have they've had on demand movies for a long time. You know, first in hotel rooms and stuff. But now that you got really, um, the only thing that I have ever paid for is Archer. Really archer away from netflix i love that series it's I've, I've that's the most rewatched series that i've had it's unfailingly witty even though i've seen it i've seen it i know all the jokes i start laughing because i love how well crafted the humor is it's what it became whenever i was doing something to be like i'm folding laundry i'm i'm doing my filing for the month i'm that was my background show because it just made me happy made me laugh so out of all the great tv you wouldn't think that the, the hell was willing to pay for was that's... quite a vulgar, quite a, you know what I mean? It's, it's not the highest quality thing, but it's very much my, I had to have it. I was missing it terribly when it went away. Wow. I didn't find a substitute for like, what do you watch while you're folding laundry? No, supernatural episodes don't do it. They just, yeah. don't, you know, so anyway, yeah. <laughs> Archer, that's my, that's my dirty that's secret.
0: Thing. <laughs> that's the, the <laughs> recommendation of the day. Exactly
1: it is by the way it's great i Uh, mean it really is it's so smart and and it's it's um they pack a lot of laughter into a half an hour instead of it being three or four it's 20 or 30 great laughs the characters are hilarious the interplay between things the way that they're very canny and a little bit like south park or the simpsons or others that they um Lampoon various different genres or specific episodes or movies where they're very good at capturing what made that thing good, but here's how it was absurd, and they'll make fun of it in that way. And so, boy, it's not only the spy genre. They then did things with, like, well, what if it was Smokey and the Bandit? What if it was they really— man. It's just really, really smart and funny. Well,
0: I'll have to watch it because you're not the first uh, friend that's recommended it and likes it. So I'll right. add that to my queue. Oh, that's oh hey look, we're only at one thousand seventy five, so it'll get there. No, no problem. <laughs> <laughs>
1: So all right man well we
0: can... i need to head out because i got another. you got
1: your m- meeting at 11 exactly
0: yeah i appreciate the talk so we I'll, I'll make we didn't sure Didn't
1: even talk about non-fiction we'll have to talk about more books next time because we, yeah. really... oh, okay. we
0: still okay. got to do some music some deep dive into some really good that's music. true we have kind
1: of an ongoing list of we'll get to these three things we only get to one or two and then it's like well we'll we'll, we'll do our catch catch up episodes yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, have a great rest have... of the day Stephen. okay you take too. care Be back bye-bye